Good morning, everyone. Um, welcome back to Romney Chapel. Um, lovely to see some uh, faces like uh, my mum and my auntie over there. So uh, um, I'm really excited again to be sharing um, on this series, um, Foolproofing Your Life, as we look into the Proverbs and look at how it can guide our lives um, if we gain the wisdom that it has to offer. But for some of you, you haven't been here for the, the five weeks or the four weeks that we've already had so far in terms of foolproofing our lives. And so I just wanted to do a short recap over what we've been looking at so far in terms of the Proverbs. And so we started about two months ago with Mike Thomas. And Mike, he was sharing um, on chapter one of Proverbs and he shared about um, what it means to fear the Lord. And this is something I'm going to come back to a little bit later on during my talk. We moved on to the second week about how that fear of the Lord, we're the beginning of understanding how we can pursue wisdom. In chapter 2, 3 and 4, we looked at how we can pursue wisdom, how that benefits our life. And as well, the fact that we should hold fast to wisdom. We talked, if you remember, we talked about a guy called St. Patrick of Ireland. He was in the middle of the, the war going on in Ireland. And he could sleep peacefully amongst that war whilst everyone else had to get drunk just to be able to pass out to fall asleep. Because they were afraid of what was going on. Yet he held true to the gospel. He held true to the word of God. And he trusted in Jesus in those situations. So even when he faced Druid priests and kings, he was not frightened and could sleep peacefully. And we had that intermittent um, one then in the middle of this series where Rhys Thomas came. I don't know if you remember Rhys Thomas talking about the nightingales, the, the songbirds, and how they make this beautiful sound and they would gather together every year. And he looked at the Psalms that week. And as he was exploring the Psalms, he was saying about these nightingales how one of the last recordings you can hear from them, in the middle of that recording, you can hear the, the, the planes flying over. You can hear the engines thundering above. Despite the fact that you can hear all of this war going on, there is still something beautiful and peaceful in the midst of that. You could hear these songbirds just chirping away, and it was an absolutely beautiful sound. And he told us how if we cling to Jesus, our life can be like that, even though we're in the middle of warfare, even though we're in the middle of this spiritual battle that we're in, in our lives, we can still see beauty and we can still see peace. Two weeks ago, Mike then shared about... um, I'm assuming, according to our series, that he um, shared about um, discernment. But one thing he did tell me that he shared about that week was um, he talked about the wise and the foolish man for the third time this this series that we've done. So we've done this is the fifth week and three times already we've talked about the wise and the foolish man. And I don't think that's a mistake by any part. I believe if God keeps telling us to talk about that in terms of our sermons and it's something that he really wants the church to cling to, he wants every one of us to cling to, to build our lives on that firm foundation But it's amazing all of the stuff that we've learned so far, the stuff that we've learned about wisdom. But this is where we come to this week, where we don't look particularly at the Proverbs. um, But what I want to look at this morning is misunderstanding, context and correction. And so I spent... um, my my week doing a load of different things and I sat down with my friend the other day um, about a week and a half ago and as I sat down with my friend we started to talk about um, about the Bible and they said to me do you know what I read something the other day and it's just oh, it's really got me down and it's really upset me 
And again, to give you some context, as we're talking about context today, this person has struggled in their lifetime dealing with different situations that, that involve men. And this is not uncommon for a lot of people in their lives to have these different circumstances that they find themselves in, that they struggle with, something that they've had to battle with for most of our lives. Most of us have giants that we've got to deal with. And this person is no different to the rest of us. And so they read a verse, and the verse that they read was from um, Psalms, I got it here, Psalm 59, um, verses 1 and 2. And they were reading from a version, um, the King James Version. And this was one of two versions that said it in a way that was wild direct, right? And that, that is this it said, Save me from these bloody men. That's what they read in that, in that um, context. And for them, that was something that they've been dealing with for most of their lives. And then they're going, oh, the Bible's telling me that I need to, you know, just get me away from these men. Like, it's agreeing with the, the thing that I've been hurting and struggling with and dealing with. But I sat there, and that's what I was talking to them. I was like, there's something not right about that. There was a, a sort of discernment in my heart that there was a misunderstanding going on. And so we sat down and we talked about that. And I, in that moment, I didn't know exactly what the difference was, what they were talking about. And so I went away and I, I looked at what that verse was reading. And what I find really interesting is before the two verses even happen, it gives us context in that situation. So if we read Psalm 59, it says, To the choir master, according to the do not destroy, a mictum of David, when Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. So before we even start reading chapter, uh, verse 1, we get the context around what's happening. We understand that these people, uh, namely Saul, who's sending men out to kill David. He's in his house and there's people watching him to kill him. And so when we look at this verse in a different light and in the way that many other scriptures read it, um, then it gives us this beautiful picture of how David acted in this situation when he was in the middle of warfare. Because this is, I'm going to read them to you. This is from the ESV version. It says, deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. And so here we get such a different picture that actually this is David just pouring out his heart. He's not saying, oh, you know, I'm just fed up with men now. I can't bother dealing with them. And there's this thing that's rising up in me. But instead he's saying to God, there's people out to kill me. And in the middle of this warfare, he turns to God above everything else. And I think that's so beautiful. It's something that we can really capture when we understand the full context of what is going on in the scriptures. And there's a point that I want to reiterate a few times this morning, and that is this. Taking time to understand the context of a verse that might seem strange will reinforce our faith and not hinder it. I'm going to say that again because I believe this to be an important part of the message that I'm sharing today. That taking time to understand the context of a verse that seems strange will reinforce our faith and not hinder it. And this is true for everyone, right? Everyone will take things out of context because everyone has a starting point when it comes to picking up the Bible and reading it. We're all on different stages of how much we've actually spent time reading it, how much time we've spent praying to God. Some of us have been Christians for decades. Some of us have maybe been Christians for only a couple of years. And maybe some of us here this morning aren't even Christians. We're all on different steps in our journey with God. And for myself, I even had a moment like this where I took something massively out of context. And because I didn't spend time to figure out what it meant, it was hindering my faith. And that was actually what Mike was looking at in week one of this series, what it means to fear the Lord. Because I was always confused by this. 
I always thought about fear. When we think about fear, we think about, you know, like snakes, spiders. Thanks, man, for getting me scared of spiders. That's your fault. I'm blaming you for that one. Um, because she always used to scream when she saw them, right? We, we have these fears in our lives. And normally, the response to this fear that we think of is quaking in our boots and running away from that thing and being like, I'm not dealing with that. Um, which is true on many occasions. There's been times when my mum's not even slept in her bedroom because there was a spider in there. So just uh, going to throw you in the deep end there this morning. Um, and that's just so true for many of us when we think of fear the instant thought is being afraid of something being scared of something but Mike made a great picture on that first week about um, being a pupil in a school and how that fear towards a head teacher isn't that quaking afraid sort of fear but it's a respect it's an awe that you give to him you respect the authority that he has over that school And the same way that looking at God, the fear of the Lord, is having a sense of awe about his greatness, having a sense of respect about the fact that he is king of kings and lord of all, and appreciating God for the fact that he is deity, the one who gives us every single breath that we breathe. But until I realized that, until I realized the context behind that verse, there was a struggle in me because I think wait, hang on a second, the God that I put my trust in, he loves me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me. Like, that's how much he loves me. Like, so why would he want me to be afraid of him? That just doesn't add up in my mind. It doesn't make sense. Why should I be scared of someone that loves me? I would never want to be in a relationship where I'm equally in love with someone and scared of someone. That's something so difficult to deal with. And I didn't want that to be how it was with God. But until I realized the truth behind it, I was hindering my faith, but by taking that time to understand the context and the meaning, it meant that I could start at the beginning of wisdom, which is what we learned on that first week. There's so many verses that people can read and take out of context and hold as blanket statements over their life. I believe um, Jeremiah 18 was one that... um, uh, Ian sent me a link to the other day to read about. We don't have time to talk about it this morning, but if you're interested in it, then come and talk to me and I'll, I'll, I'll go over that verse with you as I was studying the other day. But I want to stick with the Proverbs this morning um, as that is the, the, the theme of this series. And there's a verse that is probably well known by a lot of you. And it's in um, Proverbs 3, um, verse 5 and 6. And many of you have heard this, people are given this often um, throughout their lives, whether that be at the start of their journey in faith with God, they're told this verse. Some people, when they get baptised, they get given this verse as their verse to cling to. But it can be dangerous if we try and cling to a verse without first understanding fully what is going on, the full picture of the story behind the verses that we are reading And so I'm going to read them for you now this morning. So Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. That's a beautiful verse. And so many people love it. They cling to it, and they say, I just need to trust in God. By no means this morning am I disagreeing with that. We do need to trust in God with everything that we got. And I do believe that he will make straight our paths. But the misunderstanding that could occur here, if you just take that verse on its own accord, is the fact that it says this, do not lean on your own understanding. And if we go to that position there, we might say, hey, I just need to trust in God and I don't need to even think about gaining knowledge or wisdom. 
I can just I don't need to lean on my own understanding because it tells me not to in this verse. But if we read the full context of the book of Proverbs, the whole thing tells us to chase after wisdom with everything that we've got. And it tells us to cling to wisdom with everything that we've got. I don't know if you remember, but when I was speaking on uh, week two of this series, I said the wisdom that I gain from reading the Bible, I don't claim it to be my own. I don't claim it to be my own knowledge or my own understanding from learning from what's going on in the world. I just believe I'm reading the word of God and trusting in his word and trusting in the way that he says I can have life to the full. And I'm applying that wisdom in my life. I don't claim it to be my wisdom. So when it says trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, if we're living by the word of God, we're not living by our understanding. We're living by God's understanding of the world that he created. And that's just one, one small thing in the Bible that I say we can take out of context, misunderstand, and it can lead us down the wrong path. Someone might cling to that and spend their lives just ignoring wisdom completely when God tells us that we should pursue it, that we should cherish it, and that it can bestow benefits upon our life. I went to um, Sylvia's house the other day, um, and I walked down there, and I had this analogy that came to my mind. I was in... um, I was in Manchester on Monday uh, doing prayer day and we basically spent the whole day just singing songs of worship to God, talking about what God's doing in the United Kingdom as well as Germany and Canada um, and just praying over that, just spending time in his presence. And in amongst all of that, in amongst all of the busyness and the goodness going on that day, I felt God place something on my heart. So I instantly just started typing it up. Um, and I believe this is an analogy that he wants me to share with you this morning. And so I checked it over with Sylvia to make sure that it made sense. Because, again, I don't want to bring something that when I'm just, I might be going a bit doolally in the random moment. I want to make sure that it's something that you can cling to this morning. And I do pray that God would speak to you through this, that you would understand what I'm talking about. And that you'd be able to learn something from this. So my analogy is based around music. And music is something that I've, uh, obviously I've been doing music now for seven years. I've been playing guitar, leading worship and singing as well. But not everyone um, has had that much experience. And some people have had a lot more experience. I was practicing my sermon on Friday because I, um, I'm doing it a bit differently. I'm doing it by bullet points. And I wanted to just make sure that I could actually talk about it without looking at any notes. Um, and so I was practicing it here and Ian was here. And so I already have permission to say that. Ian told me this. In terms of music, he always says, he sounds like a foghorn. That's what he says. And he knows, and he told me, do you know what, I have no idea about music. I have no clue about it. There's times when people make mistakes in music, and especially myself, especially when it comes to Cows by Candlelight. Many of you might know, I freak out when it comes to Cows by Candlelight. It's the hardest thing to play with all those carols. So many chord changes. And when I start practicing them, I'll play a chord and I realize it's not correct. I can hear and distinguish that something's not right about it. Although I can't pinpoint it straight away, I have to spend time to figure out what the error is to be able to correct it. Ian, for example... He would hear the same thing and not realize that anything is even different. He wouldn't notice that there is any um, discrepancies between the music. He wouldn't realize that anything sounds off. He would just be like, yeah, yeah, that was great, mate, Um, which he does so often uh, without realizing the fact that there's errors going on in the music. And then there's other people. I don't know if you heard of Charlie Puth. So Charlie Puth, he's a guy, he's a singer, um, and he has something which is called perfect pitch. Basically, if I went... Uh, he would tell you what note that was. 
which blows my mind. I have no idea how he's able to do that. It is a gift that he's been given, but he's spent his entire life just completely wrapped up in music, studying music. He plays piano, I'm assuming to above grade eight standard. Um, I remember watching an interview with him and he would not only say, oh, you know, it's this note, but you can add in this seventh. And he was thought, oh, I didn't have a clue what he was on about, to be honest. I didn't have the foggiest clue what he was um, mentioning when he was talking about music because his understanding of it is so much greater than mine because he spent so much of his life just completely devoting it towards music. You'll pick up sheets of music, you'll study them, you'll write music, and you'll play music. It's part of his life. And when he makes it as part of his life, that's why he's now a famous singer, because he makes music that the world deems to be beautiful. I don't know how many of you here this morning would go out and buy an album from Ian Norris. Um, I know I wouldn't, unless I was doing it as a, as a laugh or we were raising money for, for some sort of charity. Um, but he wouldn't even consider to make an album. He wouldn't consider to, to write music. And that goes to saying there's a whole just different range of people when it comes to music. There's people who don't have a clue, and there's people like Charlie Puth who know everything, and then there's everything in between. But why am I telling you this morning about this? It's because I believe that it isn't much different to when it comes to the Bible. I believe that there's similarities between the two things. One, that there's people who are on a whole range of the scale. There's people who have only just started reading it for the first time. And they're likely to not notice when there's things wrong. They're likely to take things out of context. They're likely to make mistakes. But... By spending more and more time in that, by spending more time in the scriptures and the Bible and reading it and spending time with God, they learn more about it. They learn more about God's heart and God's nature and can realize when there's something that isn't quite right. And then there's people who are like scholars and they, they, just, they say stuff that just blows my mind. And I remember being um, John Lennox once giving a, a lecture and I remember listening to it and just my mind was frazzled by just how smart this guy was. Um, and yeah, it just, it takes me back. And there's been so many times in my life that I've been in places where um, people are having a conversation about the scriptures. People are talking about God and I have no idea what they're on about. Namely, my friends Reese and Josh, they would talk and talk and talk. And I'd just be sat there like, say what now? Like, I do not understand where you're going with this um but i agree with what you're saying but my word i've never even thought of this before and the other point that makes me think that this is similar to music is because i believe when someone spends time in music when people study it for a long time like charlie Puth, for example they can make beautiful sounds they can make something that people just love to hear and want to hear on a daily basis in the same light, I believe, if we spend so much time in the scriptures, if we spend so much time with God correcting any mistakes that we might have and trying to gain an understanding of who Jesus Christ is, then in the same light as his music is beautiful, so will our lives be. I believe by studying this, by spending time in this, we, we create something that is beautiful, just as beautiful as music, and that is the life that we lead and the fact that we get to live life and life to the full as God intended it. And so it takes us back to that whole thing I was talking about earlier, that taking time to understand the context of the, of the scriptures 
It's not something that's going to hinder us in our faith, but instead it's going to just push us closer to God. It's going to push us to a place where we just understand so much more in the same way as by spending more time listening to music and in the same way as we can spend time just trying to learn and study it. We can make sounds that become more and more beautiful. And so that leaves some challenges with us, really. And that is, where are we on that, on that scale? Where are we? Are we someone who is brand new to the Bible? Or are we someone who's been reading it for such a long time now? Do we understand it to its full potential? Do we try to understand it? Sometimes you can hold on to um, things for most of your life and not realise that there's anything different about them or that you've taken it out of context. I really love this guy called Edgar. I don't know if any of you here remember Edgar, but um, he was in his 90s and he used to say the fact that I've been reading my Bible now for eight years and trust me, when he looked at his Bible, you could tell by the state of it. He'd been reading it for a long time. He loved that thing. But he said this, he said, do you know what? When I read scripture, God just jumps out to me in a whole new light again and again and again because our God is massive. Going back to that understanding of the reverence of God, to realize that he is a massive God, that he placed the stars in the sky and he knows them each by name. It's just, it's just mind-blowing. And we can learn all about him by reading the scriptures. And so three challenges I want to set for you going about your everyday life. And that is this. Don't just take a verse on its own without reading the context around it first. It's great to have those comforting verses. But please, if you have those comforting verses, go and read about it. Try and understand where it's coming from. And that's just going to make your faith all the more stronger. The second is this. As you're reading scriptures, pray to God. If I could, without it costing me an arm and a leg, have a vocal coach, I would. But they're ridiculously expensive. They're over £20 an hour, and I can't afford that sort of thing. But... I know if I had a vocal coach and I was able to talk to them about the way that I sing and all of these things, that I'll be able to improve massively in that. We have, however, access to God and it doesn't cost us anything. In fact, the price to be able to talk to God was already paid when Jesus Christ came to earth and died on that cross. And so when it comes to reading the Bible, we can talk to the author of it and ask him, hey, what is going on here? Can you help me understand this verse? So we need to start reading our Bibles, but we need to be praying as we read it. But above all else, above all else this morning, if there's anything that you're going to take away from this, is this is what I want you to take with you. Get deeper with God. Above everything else, just get into his word and pray to him. Because that's how we learn about music. We spend time in it over and over again, and we just start to learn it. It starts to become second nature to us. In the same way, by reading the Bible over and over again, we become accustomed to it, we learn about it, we learn about God's nature, and our lives would start to portray that beauty that he intends for us to have. Obviously, I talked a bit about context of scriptures, and not so much about scriptures in general this morning. I've looked at a few verses, but another verse that I want to look at this morning is in the book of James, it's chapter 1, and it's verse 22. And I love the book of James. And if you've not, if you don't know where to start with the Bible, and you know, maybe you've read the Gospels before, try the book of James, because it really has so many amazing challenges in it. And this is one of them. This is one of the challenges that I've always loved from the book of James. So chapter 1, verse 22, it says this. Um, and I haven't got it written down properly. Um, I'm going to skip to it. I've actually got it here somewhere. 
No, I don't. Um, but it says this, do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Or well, I think in the ESV um, version of it, it says about be doers of the word and not hearers also. Um, but that, what does that mean? It's saying, you know, you could come to church every Sunday morning or you could listen to your Bible or even read your Bible on a daily basis. But what difference does that make if we're just being hearers of the word? God tells us that we need to be doers of the word, which means that when we take it in, when we listen to it, there should be a change of action in our life, that our lives should change, that the way that we demonstrate our love for God should change. And I believe that I can trust in this because I believe in the scripture, I believe that God breathed these words into being. I was looking last night and I, I thought I had everything prepared that I wanted to speak on this morning. And there was just one more verse that I wanted to look at from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I was going to read from chapter uh, verse 10 onwards, but I'm just going to go from verse 16. And it says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. And I love that verse because it tells me that all scripture is God breathed. And that I can trust in every single word that is in this Bible. And it also says that we can use this to correct ourselves. It tells us that we can teach ourselves with these words as we do on so many occasions. And it says that if we do that, if we teach ourselves, if we correct ourselves, if we rebuke ourselves in those situations, then we may be complete. And why is that beautiful? It's because God doesn't want us to just, just live life. He wants us to have life. He wants us to have life to the full. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love each and every single one of us. Father God, I thank you that the whole purpose of you sending Jesus to earth is because we are people who make mistakes on all occasions, God. We do it probably on a day-to-day -day basis, God. And Father, there's so many times that we might misunderstand who you are because you are just unfathomable. You're just beyond our minds can even compare or even think of. But Father God, I thank you that you are that big. God, I thank you that you are an awesome God who reigns on, in heaven above. And Father, I just pray, God, that we would just devote our lives to you, God. That we would realize that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, that we would just be just so delighted that we can serve in your kingdom god that we can call you master but that you call us friends father that is so beautiful that we can cling true to the promises in your scripture god and i just pray god that you would just give each and every one of us this morning a heart to know more about you god wherever we might be god whether we're at the very beginning of our faith journey, whether we're just starting to read the Bible for the first time or maybe a couple of years, God, or maybe if we've been reading it for decades, God, I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted and that we would just get deeper with you, God, that we would spend time with you, God. And furthermore, we would realise that it's a conversation, that we would talk with you, that you want to have community with us, God, that the promises in the Bible that as we draw near to you, God, you'll draw near to us, God. So I pray that we would be a church that draws near to you, God.
I pray that we would listen to the verse that says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another God. I pray that we would talk to one another, God, that we'd be a church that is free and open and just welcoming God to talk about what we're learning, about where we are in our faith journey, God, so that we can build one another up, God, the way that you've asked us to. But Father God, above all of that, I thank you that we have access to you, God, that we can talk to you because you pay that debt, God, and you came when you sent Jesus down to earth to die for us. You already paid the cost of what it means to just be in complete free relationship with you, God. And I thank you that each and every one of us this morning have the freedom to have that relationship with you, to pursue you, God, and to spend time with you, God. Father, I thank you for everyone here this morning, God. I pray that you'd keep each and every one of us safe as we go about our day, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would just get deeply rooted into you, God, that we would pursue you in everything that we've got, Jesus, that we would set time aside to spend time with you, to spend time with our maker and the creator of this universe and just appreciate how magnificent you are, how indescribable you are, God. And as we just learn more about you, God, that we would just fall more and more in love with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.